welcome back to the Premier Chels, your source for all things Premier League, but starting with Chelsea first. Coming to you on your speakers and headsets, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. I'm Jackie from Houston, and I have Alex here from Maine. Unfortunately, Rahul cannot join us today. He has some family obligations, but we do have a very special guest, and that is Will Greggs from at Will Talks Football. He's on Instagram. Check him out. But Will, give us a little introduction about yourself. Hey, what's going on, everybody? My name is Will. Uh, I'm an Arsenal fan from New York. And, you know, um, I became an Arsenal fan after the 2014 World Cup. Uh, at the time, I didn't really understand football or soccer. I don't know what you guys say here, but I didn't really understand it. So it was during after the World Cup. An Arsenal game was on, and I forgot who they were playing, but they were winning like 3-0. Like, it was some crazy scores. So I thought that that meant that they were the best team in the world. So here I am as an Arsenal fan. So, Ooh. yeah, yeah. I mean, I, th- I think it was pretty much just like whoever I watched that day, that one, it just was just by coincidence that the game was on. And, you know, at the time, I thought that in football, soccer, whatever, that, you know, you score one goal, you take off your shirt, you're in a round. So when I saw three goals, I was like, whoa. I was like, okay, so this, so this must be the best team in the world. <laughs> After I started to get into it, I was like, oh, what have I done here? But <laughs> no, no, look, that's a good story. I think that's a yeah. good way to get started. A lot of people just follow a team by watching a game one day. I have a similar story. Favorite player, mm-hmm. really quickly before we get kicked off. I'm going to have to go with Neymar. If it, okay. if it uh, wasn't for Neymar, I wouldn't be into the sport at, at all. Because watching Brazil, and the like, the, I think I've seen him play like two games, and I was like, oh, okay, like he's pretty cool. So definitely Neymar. Excellent. So if, he, if he's on the market, hopefully Arsenal will be putting up a transfer offer for him soon. <laughs> <laughs> all right, we'll jump into Alex. How's it going, man? Pretty good. Pretty good. Doing well, I will say. I've probably had a better weekend than than Will has. But <laughs> Look, let's jump right into it and dissect this because Arsenal opened up the Premier League season on Friday to newcomers Brentford. And Will, it didn't go so well, man. Yeah, no, nah, I mean, it was, you know, the thing is, is that you're surprised, but then you're not surprised at the same right. time, especially with the way that Arsenal has been the past two seasons. Or you could even say since post-Wenger, uh, how we've just been on like a steady decline ever since. And look, I've been trying to tell people that Arteta is a fraud. And all that I got was <laughs> the super positive, the club can never do wrong kind of people saying you're a fake fan, trust the process. You know, I even get accused of being a Tottenham or Chelsea fan because I always just drag <laughs> Arsenal. So like, I, you know... I mean, but yeah, not nah, terrible way to start off the season. It's crazy to think that Brentford's first ever Premier League win is against Arsenal. And it was a 2-0 uh, win, clean sheet and everything. So it's disgraceful. Yeah, it's, t- it's a tough one to swallow, especially opening day of the season. You, everybody's ready, excited to go. Y'all just spent $50 million on a centre-back. So you would, you would assume defensive-wise probably there's a step up there. But Alex, your thoughts really quickly on that game? Yeah, I mean, honestly, I, I sort of agree with Will in that it wasn't it wasn't as surprising a result as we've seen at times because I was, my dad does a predictions league. So he and I were, were debating, what should we predict? What do we think the score is going to be? And I always have to stop because I'm a very biased Chelsea fan. I'll admit (laughs) it. So I have to stop when I'm thinking about Arsenal and be like, am I predicting they'll lose out of my own desires or am I being, am I being honest? But I thought to myself, you have Arsenal coming off a slightly shaky preseason um, I mean, obviously, you don't judge the preseason results, but shaky preseason, um, not really many super high profile transfers. Obviously, you have uh, Ben White, but I don't think he's the type to transform a side. He's just a solid squad signing. Um, and then I was thinking to myself, when you have Brentford 74 years without Premier League football starting at home in front of their fans, I thought they'd be hungry for it. I thought the players would be doing everything to get the taste of a win on their first time out in the top flight and to grab themselves a goal. So I actually did, I, I, I believe my dad predicted a win. We sort of settled on a Brentford 2-1 win um, because I did think Brentford had it in them um, to just almost want it more, uh, given that it was such an exciting occasion for them. Though Arsenal certainly have the quality uh, to overcome that Brentford side, you would think, on their day, but clearly just wasn't their day. I'm interested uh will and maybe what you think went wrong uh for the arsenal squad lack of for me i think that arteta is really just winging it now the thing with me is that i don't understand somebody's calling i don't understand why um well how you learn from well first you know arteta learned he was at barcelona then you go to arsenal he was a player coach with arteta then you leave arsenal then you become um an assistant assistant manager to pep guardiola at man city 
So you're at three distinct places where they play very attractive football, free-flowing football, a lot of shots, you know, a lot of uh, possession. Now, how is it that you get the opportunity to become a head coach at Arsenal, a very big club? I don't, you know, I don't care what nobody says. We're still a big club. We, we yeah, just yeah. operate like a small club now, but we are, a, you know, we are considered a big club still. But how do you get the job and then you just don't apply anything that you've learned? So to me, I just think it's just a lack of preparation. I don't think that Arteta really knows what he needs to do to get any kind of results, to get us attacking properly and stuff like that. And I also do think that his um, transfer policies are a bit weird. So I think it's like lack of preparation is what's really killing Arsenal right now. You know, Will, that's a good point. And I want to stick on that for a few minutes, Alex. I think we've had similar conversations when Chelsea brought in Frank a few seasons ago. And I think he was successful for the most part. Similar story to Arteta, young manager, history with the club. He did bring in some youth and all. And, and it's interesting, Will says his transfer policy is, is kind of up in the air. Is that really down to just Arteta or is there more behind the scenes? Because this seems to be happening to Arsenal over the last few years, especially since Wenger left. They don't really spend. And when they do spend, they spend in areas like bringing William, for example, renewing Obama Young at the age of 31 on a huge contract. There are certain things that you almost wonder. It's not really just Arteta. I'm not trying to defend him. I am. I, I do think he could turn, turn it around. But is there more behind the scenes we're not seeing? Alex, your thoughts really quickly? I mean, I, from what I can tell, I, I've always thought it was interesting. You bring up Lampard, too, because people were talking about the, the Lampard Arteta and Ole debates because those were three former players who came into their their club where they were they had some some level of iconic status um all of them had a good history with the club all of them had the the footballing pedigree I suppose to be a very good manager they they have the the IQ to be a good manager they're they've got some they had differing levels but some decent experience in multiple ways um, and I remember when, when Lampard was sacked, there were a lot of Arsenal fans saying, oh, Arteta's won, won that debate. Um, but then I do think, to be fair, you have to raise the question of, does that say something, too, about, about the board, about the backing right. that was given, maybe about the levels of ambition there? Um, I think it's interesting. And I do agree with you, though, that sometimes there are issues behind the scenes. Maybe coaches want certain players and don't get them. Right. For example, I know Frank Lampard was begging for a January striker signing. Um, and then one never came. Um, he desperately just wanted a new center forward, anything. And we were on the market, but couldn't get a deal done for him. Um, so I do think there are a lot of factors at play there, but ultimately you have to say, are the results good enough? Are we heading in the right direction? And is this something that's going to work long-term? And you've seen with Lampard, um, Chelsea fired him, which was a sad day for Chelsea fans, but he did his job. He got us top four on a transfer ban um, and kept us in contention, had a great start to the Champions League season, which we ultimately won. So Lampard did his job, but it wasn't looking quite good enough, and they sent him packing. Ole had a few shaky moments, but they've kept him in his job, and as evidenced by their start to the season, obviously you can't read too deeply into it, he might be one who's developing, learning, and really improving as he goes. Arteta, I just don't know where he stands. I don't know. Will, you probably have you, – you seem to have a certain uh, side in that debate, I guess. Yeah, uh, I mean, look, he, he has to be sacked. Um, I think that he should have been sacked at halftime because I think Brentford <laughs> at no point – you know, I think that you can say that Brentford got lucky if Arsenal were dominating the game. Brentford, they managed to, you know, score two quick goals, something like that, where you can kind of see, okay, you know what? It just wasn't our day. But Brentford looked better than us on the day. Right. And um, I do want to touch on what uh, Alex said about how um, some Arsenal fans were saying that, oh, well, I guess that Arteta's won the debate between Frank Lampard and all this. Now, while I do think that Frank Lampard, not that he's a rubbish coach, but I do think that the job, again, I think that it was maybe too soon for him to get that kind of job right. at Chelsea. Okay. But what I will say is that, so Chelsea and Arsenal as clubs are on two different separate levels. Chelsea's ambition is way up here. Arsenal's level is way down here. If so, for example, if Frank Lampard was Arsenal's manager and he had those like run of results where Chelsea were about eighth or ninth, he'd still be Arsenal's manager. Whereas if Arteta was managing Chelsea and had the results that he's getting now, Roman would have well, Roman would have sacked him match day two because right. the because the ambitions are different. So it really had nothing to do with. Uh, Frank Lampard being a better coach than Arteta. I think it has to do with the ambition of the club. And Chelsea, as I say, and look, I could be honest, I, I hate you guys. <laughs> I hate you guys. 
But I'm going to say it. Chelsea are the best run club in all of England from your youth, uh, from your youth academy, which is the best in England to, you know, to basically your youth players, uh, you know, being sold, basically funded Romelu Lukaku coming in. Right. Yeah. Like that whole move was funded by players that never even made that probably played like one game then was sent on loan. And now because of that, that money goes towards Lukaku. So I think that, you know, I think that Arsenal fans that tried to banter Lampard and all this stuff, they're complete idiots because it's just, yeah, like you just can't compare it. You know, uh, Chelsea have ambitions that Arsenal just don't right now. So, so I think, really yeah. quickly, question, question for you, Will, before we move on. Yeah, go ahead, boss. When do you think they will fire Arteta? Do you think he makes it through Christmas or do you think they're going to pull the plug sooner than that? I think Arteta gets fired next month. Okay. Um, so, so you look at it, uh, Arsenal right now are 16th or 17th in the Premier League table after match day one. Now, for the rest of this month, Brentford was the only team that I thought that we were going to get any points from. Next, we have you guys, as you know, you know, that's why I'm on. Yep. And then we have Man City after that. We're not Tottenham. We don't play well against Man City ever. So we're going to go into September on zero points. Then I think we have, I think it's either, I think it's Brighton or it's some team. It's like some lower team. I see us getting a draw there. And then I think by like mid-September, I think that we'll have five out of about 20-something available points, really. And then that's when I think that he will be sacked. Wow. Yeah, I, I just can't see him even lasting till uh, Halloween, if I'm being honest with you. Okay. But I'm, I'm right. giving it next month. Yeah. So strong words there. We'll see what happens in the next few months here. Guys, let's talk about let's talk about Manchester United next because they had the opposite start to a match day going five goals against Leeds who were, to be fair, were a very, very strong side last year and just didn't look the part. Alex, three goals from Bruno Fernandes, no penalties. So nobody can say Fernandes today. <laughs> One for Greenwood, Fred on and Paul Pogba starting off on fire with four assists. Your thoughts on this opening day for them? Yeah, that I, I was, because the Chelsea game was a little later, I, I hadn't intended to get up to watch it, um, but I sat up in my bed. I pulled out my phone. I saw, I think the score might have been 1-1 at that time. Um, the second half was just beginning. And I said, you know what? I'll pop it on. I just quickly typed it up on my phone, found a stream, started watching, and just instantly, it was raining goals. Um, United were looking on a completely different level. Uh, Paul Pogba looked fantastic. And now... It, it, it just the team the cohesion um his goal to set up uh greenwood was unbelievable the through ball that like curled perfectly to meet his foot and then greenwood using pace and physicality and then slotting a perfect finish in the bottom corner i mean it's scary it's a scary sight you talk about erling holland you talk about killian mbappe i wouldn't put greenwood on that level but I'm certainly not saying, I mean, he's clearly, clearly one of the best young striking talents in the world. Um, so it's, it's scary times for everyone who doesn't like Manchester United, which I suppose is all three of us here today. <laughs> um, but I, I, I will say as well, there's, there's something to be said. I just don't understand how I feel about Ole. Obviously I'm not, we don't have an, Ar uh, rather we do have an Arsenal. We don't have a United fan here to, to share his insight. I've always questioned him tactically a little bit. And then I saw an article today that said, um, insider scoop, what Ole said to Paul Pogba before his record, before like his beautiful game. I think it was a record. No Manchester United player had had four assists in a game before um, in Premier League. And I said to myself, like jokingly, because I don't rate his tactics traditionally, I said, I bet he just said, go out there and have fun. And then I opened the article and it said, well, really, all I told Paul was to go out there and express himself. So <laughs> I'm not sure we can read too deeply into Ole as a tactical manager, but in terms of the chemistry of the squad, a bright start, hungry team, and great, great talent on their day, this was a fantastic start. So I don't know if, if, if we can or should read too deeply into this. Um, I don't know if, Will, you have thoughts on that, but it's certainly the way to start. Yeah, uh, so I... Of course, you know, you are impressed with the win, but I'm not very surprised by the result. Uh, don't forget, last time uh, Leeds played Manchester United, Manchester United did slap them up. I believe they did score six. It was like 6-1. Um, really? And to piggyback off of your topic, Ale is an absolute trash manager. Um, I think that <laughs> Man United have a very good squad. Raphael uh, Varane is going to be coming in. 
Um, he, he was presented on Saturday. You have Jaden Sancho. That's also, you know, played his uh, first game for Manchester United. You know, Pogba, Bruno. Like, they have a bunch of world-class players on, on that team. And I think that they will do good in the Premier League. But when it comes to winning trophies, as long as Ale's there, I don't really see it happening. Now, um, the reason that I'm not so surprised with this result is because, again, it's like you said, Alex, um, Ale's tactics are pretty trash. Now, I think that Man United, they struggle to beat teams that sit back and let them have the ball to try to break them down. Now, where Man United do fantastic at is when teams press them and play high up, which is what uh, Marcel uh, Bielsa does with Leeds. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, Bielsa is such a highly re- regarded manager. So it surprises me that it seems like he only has one way to play, which is just high press, high attack. Now, once you press Man United, they're going to tear you apart with all that quality. So I felt like, especially coming off of the last time they played them, it was a 6-1 loss. Why would you go into the game with the same tactics as you did the game before? So it wasn't that surprising to me. But yeah, no, I'm going to have to agree with you there. I do think that... um. I do think that Ale is a pretty pathetic uh, manager. I think that he is benefiting from having a pretty good squad. And yeah, no, I'm not, I'm not, you know, I don't really look into too much of their wins. I do expect Man United to be a high scoring team, but in terms of competing for like the Premier League, I think that they will compete, but I don't think that they'll win it. And I don't even think that they'll come top two. So like they did last season. So yeah. No, fair enough. The analysis from both of you guys is is spot on. I think I just want to heap a little more praise on to Paul Pogba. I think he's a character that gets a lot of hate, uh, mm-hmm. rightly or wrongly. So I've never understood why people hate so much on Paul Pogba. But Brand does it work? Sumas, for example, <laughs> he hates that guy for, for no no apparent reason. But what I've noticed is he got the measure correct today. Is and when I use that word is when the ball leaves his foot the measure of where it landed was so accurate, specifically around that Greenwood one and the one he did to Bruno was incredible. I mean, the ball measurement was perfect today. So it's going to be good to see Man United together. They are a scary squad, but hope you guys are right. And when we play them tactically, they get it wrong. And then we'll kind of go from there. Yeah. um, Can I just um, ask? Sure, go ahead. uh, yeah, so, you know, how you were kind of bigging up Paul Pogba just now, I fully agree with you. I'm not going to lie. I'm, I might be in the minority here, but I think when fully healthy, I think that Paul Pogba is the best center midfielder in the world. I think there's a reason why Manchester United are willing to lose him for free than sell him this season, because this is his last year on contract. Right. So he might say an extension, he might not, but they're willing to risk it because no matter what, like no, no matter how much money you have, there really is no midfielder that can you can bring in to replace Paul Pogba. So yeah, no, nah, I, th- I think that he's absolutely world-class and he's the, he's a monster. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Agreed. On his on his day, I think he's he's one of the best, especially when we saw them in the Euros alongside Conte. Then to them two together was it was an incredible pairing. It's so a World Cup winning duo yeah, as well. So exciting. exactly. All right, guys, let's move on. This is just a quick one. We'll talk about Leicester, Jamie Vardy back scoring goals, howling at the Wolves fans. Does it get any funnier than that from Jamie Vardy? Well, I'll go with you first. Yeah, man. Uh, you know the thing about Jamie Vardy is that. I think Jamie Vardy likes playing away from Leicester than he does playing at home because I think that he enjoy. I think it's just something about just taking the piss out of like the right out of the fans. I think that's what gets him going now. Right. Um, you know, I, I'm I was still kind of surprised on the score of that game. I definitely thought that Leicester would kind of have more of a convincing win. You know, Wolves aren't the best team, and you know, but they did have uh Jimenez coming back from that uh scary head injury. But horrible injury. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I mean, look, man, Jamie Vardy is, you know, he's a great striker, and I, I think it's like it's hard to not like him until he plays your team. But, <laughs> yeah, he's a funny character, though. Yeah, and Alex, he keeps going, pushing thirty-two this year. I think. Yeah, it's impressive. He's got. I mean, that's that's. I will admit, I'm maybe even slightly among this number. People say that FIFA has corrupted a generation into thinking that players are finished as soon as they hit 30. Cause that's, yeah. that's in FIFA when their ratings start declining, uh, they start, they start running out of contract, getting injured, whatever. But, and, and, and maybe I, I do definitely have that mental benchmark as well. When I think, for example, even signing Lukaku, who's world-class in his prime, I'm thinking mm, he's, he's pushing 30, whatnot. <laughs> I still certainly have that mental benchmark, but I think, I need to work on setting it aside sometimes. I think a lot of people do too, because as several uh, great strikers have shown, I mean, even in, in Chelsea terms, Didier Drogba being a fantastic example, sometimes things just get better with age. And obviously, I mean, you can't even brush over the the two goats of this generation, uh, Messi and Ronaldo, they are both in their mid now getting up there into their 
mid to late thirties uh, in a couple of years, they're going to, who knows how many more years they have in them, but they're still top class. So mm-hmm. I, I think it is something to be said for some things just, you know, age like fine wine. And Jamie Vardy seems to be one of those, though I, I wouldn't give him wine. I think he ages like Red Bull, which is, I believe, what he drinks before <laughs> matches, if I'm not mistaken. It's, it's exactly what he does. Jamie Vardy has some secret to success, and he keeps going with it. So good for him. And Leicester, let's see if they're going to be in and around the top six this year. Let's move on to newly promoted Watford, who sent a message. They ended up beating Aston Villa 3-2 at the end of the day. Will, thoughts on that one? Yeah, no, that was a very surprising win. I, I'm sitting here like, well, damn. I mean, I, I know that Villa lost Jack Grealish. You know, I get it. It's a big loss. But you bring in Danny Ings, Leon Bailey. You know, you still have... Um, Wendia you know, like, as well. You know, yeah, and Wendia. I forgot about Wendia. Yeah, you know, you have Wendia there, uh, McGinn, Ollie Watkins. So I'm thinking should be a pretty comfortable win. And then Watford come out, and then they just absolutely pam them. Now... You know, very surprising for me because I'm a person that, you know, like, so I gamble on FanDuel, right? And usually when, like, the underdog team scores first and fast, I'll run over there and I'll place the bet on the better team because then the odds kind of make sure that they're not going to win. So then you make so then like, you make money for betting on the better team. Yeah. So, so I ran over there as soon as Watford scored. <laughs> I said, oh, it's a quick, easy goal. I said, okay, Villa should win. And then it was like second goal. Third goal. I was, I was like, what? <laughs> yeah, no, nah, but wow. very, very shocking win, man. Yeah, no. Nah, uh, and, you know, Wofford have some nice kits as well. I don't know if that's too relevant. But, you know, it was a very surprising win, though. I, I cannot lie. I think that's probably – no, nah. Arth, nah. Okay, never mind. I, I was going to say that that was probably the most surprising <laughs> – I was going to say that, that that was probably the most surprising win. But, no, nah, it's still got to be Brentford. But, yeah, yeah nah, but that was pretty shocking, though, still, because Villa do have some quality players. So. Yeah. And, and, Alex, you pipped – Grealish to fail at Manchester City he was a big big part of Aston Villa's squad he's not there anymore they like Will has said they've staffed correctly they've got new players Leon Bailey others were you as surprised as we are in this performance yeah I mean I didn't watch the game but from what I from what I saw afterwards I just don't think I don't know I don't think you can instantly replace a player who's the heartbeat of your team we even saw with uh with Hazard leaving Chelsea there's a certain you don't have to reinvent yourself so to speak there's obviously plenty of quality but you do to a certain degree have to shift the way you think about the game the way you approach it there is something to be said about um not having one guy who you know get him the ball he'll work his magic um and i wouldn't i'm I'm not comparing Grealish to hazard i think it's pretty clear who's clear in that in that sense but Grealish is a class player he was the heartbeat of that villa team um and i think they're it's that's just showing it's not going to be uh, as easy as pie, uh, just instantly replacing uh, Jack Grealish or even just gelling together uh, with new signings in a new season. It's, it's the premier league. Any team can beat any team. Um, and we've, we've seen that a few times in this match week. So. Uh, yeah, can we... I ask you a question, Alex? Mm-hmm. So you believe that Jack Grealish will flop at Man City? I, it, it was a bold statement. I was looking to, to, for the disappointing signing of the season, and I sort of came up with that one. And then instantly I questioned myself, and I was like, <laughs> he, he's playing next to Mares, KDB, probably with Kane up top. He's got Foden, Gundogan, unreal team around him. So that's when I said to myself, okay, maybe I'm, being, maybe I'm just trying to be too edgy with my pick. But <laughs> yeah. so far, so far... I, we've we've seen we've seen a lot of headband, not a lot of foot movement. But do, uh, do you know what happens, Will and Alex? It's interesting that Alex went there. It's and I, I don't know if it'll happen, but in the past we've talked about big fish, little pond, and Jack Grealish, with all due respect to Aston Villa, was almost like a big fish in a little pond. I think they do have a decent squad, but now you've taken this fish into the ocean, and so sometimes you may get overshadowed, overseen by some of these other players. You're, you've got players. Jack Grealish is the kind of guy that wants the ball all the time, but you've also got a KDB that wants the ball all the time. You've got a Sterling that wants the ball all the time, Mares. And so trying to get yourself out there and known, does it mean that he's going to fail? Probably not. Does it mean he's going to be as successful as a hundred million players should be? That's up for debate. And we'll see that towards maybe the first half of the season. Yeah. I think as well. Analogy. Saw, what was that? Oh no. Um, no, I was saying that that was a great analogy. Uh, the big fish in a small pond when, yeah, like that, that could describe what could possibly happen to him at Man City. So I have to agree with you. And, yeah. and I saw someone too on Twitter saying that he seemed to be almost like apologizing to his teammates a little yeah. bit. I think 
Uh, someone I saw someone was saying he when he shot the ball, even though there wasn't a great pass on, he shot the ball, missed, and was like apologizing to his teammates. People are saying maybe he's he's really a little preoccupied with the idea that he has to fit in, he has to show his value, he has to show his teammates he's going to be a team player, not a ball hog. Um, I did think it was ironic that all of two or three minutes into the game, he'd already dove and almost got a penalty. But um, <laughs> he's a class player. I just, I just, yeah, maybe, maybe with the price tag. The thing is, I feel like we should judge players as a player and not as their price tag because the right. market's so wonky now. Um, but we have been judging players on their price tag. People like Pogba, people like Pulisic, people like Holland and his ridiculous uh, asking price. It, Neymar breaking the the transfer market with his fee. Um, that's the reality. And I think we do have to say, I'm not sure this investment is exactly what City needed, but right. uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see how that goes. All right, guys. The next big game was Liverpool cruising by Norwich. Not too much to talk about there, but I do have a question for both of you. Virgil van Dijk is back, looking fit, looking healthy. How big is he going to be for this season? Will, you first. Virgil van Dijk, best center back in the world. I don't, you know, I, I think he's better than Ramos. I think he's better than Ruben Diaz, all these guys. Um, I think that a lot of people were saying, well, we don't know how he's going to come back from injury. And again, right. as you said, it was Norwich. He didn't really have to do that much, you know, because Liverpool, they dominated uh, possession. They were controlled the whole time. So it wasn't really a real test, you can say. But I think that having Virgil van Dijk is magical. Liverpool. I think he's their most important player because last season you saw how much they struggled without van Dijk. I mean, granted, they, they didn't really have any center backs, but you saw how much they struggled when they first lost van Dijk and they still had Mane, Salah, Firmino and, and all those players. But I think that van Dijk is their best player. I think that he's like, you know, he's at the bottom of like the spine, you can say like from like midfield to up to the uh, attack and, yeah, I think that having him back is massive. Having him back is definitely massive. So, yeah, Van, uh, Van, yeah, Virgil van Dijk, definitely uh, it's good to see him back out there. Alex, yeah. do you agree? And do you think that Liverpool are going to do a title challenge this year, maybe? I agree. I, I, I agree Van Dijk's influence is massive. And I know we were discussing them before. I think I put them at fifth place, which may have been a little harsh. Um, I don't want to read too deeply into this because obviously it is, it's the first game of the season. None of these results really mean anything long-term. They're either a good or a bad way to start. But I'd seen Liverpool struggling due to their lack of midfield and attacking signings, um, or at least ultra high quality, because as we saw last year, um, if Mane or Salah has an off year, Salah, frankly, let's be real. I mean, he's going on five season wonder at this point. I will, I will fully admit I was one of his doubters at the beginning, or rather I was, I was maybe trying to underplay his achievements a bit, but he's a top class player consistently, consistently bagging goals. Um, I suffer heavily from, thinking I'm above putting him in my fantasy team. <laughs> Very big oversight. Uh, and I, I just, I didn't, I still think what Liverpool need, I've been talking to my friend about this, um, for my, any American fans out there, I think they need a Gio Reyna type player at Dortmund. I think they need, which maybe for the, for the general footballing population, I would say a Coutinho type player. Now they did go out, use the funds from him, buy Van Dyke and some other players. They really revamped their squad. Um, and that paid off. But I think they need a little more creativity in the midfield to beat some of the larger teams, perhaps, to really put in a fight, dominate games, even when it's not Norwich, full respect to them. But they're just not quite at Liverpool's level, and that much is clear. Um, so I think, I still don't think Liverpool are going to be insane this season. But if if Salah is firing like he like he was in this game, to be honest, when you have Van Dyke at the back in good form and Salah up top in good form, you're pretty much guaranteed goals and you're pretty much guaranteed good defense. They're certainly going to be pushing into the Champions League spots, I think. Um, so I could now see them at third or fourth. But again, so difficult to read off one game. I'll just add one more thing in there. Diego Jota is going to be by Black Hawk Horse for them this season because... He was brilliant last year and then got injured and they kind of, it was around the time they were kind of going down as well. So we'll be watching him. I think he's going to do something brilliant for them this year. He started the season. Well, he's playing that strike or false nine position. I know he can drop and play that middle position or that attacking midfielder position that you're alluding to. So it might get interesting. We'll see how that plays out. Where you talked about Brentford Arsenal before we move on to the Chelsea game really quickly thoughts on Tottenham versus Manchester city. Will, Lucky win. Okay. <laughs> nah, nah, nah. Let me, I, you know, 
I have to give some credit where credit is due. A big win, but you know, Nuno does pretty well against Man City. Um, you know, even when he was back there uh, with Wolves, I remember, I think it was a season or two ago that they did the double over Man City. So, you know, Nuno, he does set up his team to play counterattack football. That's the only way that you will ever beat Man City is you, you have to counterattack because if you press them, they'll, they'll pull you apart. So, you know, definitely, you know, big win. Um, Sun world-class. I think Sun is the best left winger in the world. Uh, I know. Well, no, not in the world. Whoa. (laughs) <laughs> I think that Sun is the best left winger in London. I know Alex might find some exception. Well, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> <laughs> that, but, you know, I think that Sun is, you know, a world-class player. Um, but, you know, I just want to say really quickly, congratulations to Tottenham for winning their first trophy in 12 years because that's how they were celebrating was like that they won. A, a look, so I just want to say congratulations. And this means nothing for Harry Kane. Trust me. Tottenham have been beating Man City quite a bit the past few years. City still go on to win trophies. Tottenham do not. This has this, like Kane's not going to really say, "Oh wow, we beat Tottenham today. Let me stay." Instead of joining Jack Grealish, KDB, Mares, Sterling, and all these <laughs> other world class players, I'll stay at Tottenham. No, I don't think this really is going to affect that. But it was a big win, so I, you have to give credit where credit's due because I know Arsenal can't do that. So, Alex, tactically, I think Nuno got it right. They played really, really well. They had high energy. What's your thoughts? And will Kane stay? Yeah, I don't think this changes anything with Kane. I think even the fact that they managed to beat him, they, they left him out of the squad for fitness purposes, supposedly. I think we all know that's probably not the real reason. I think I completely agree with Will there. I think he still goes to Man City, and Man City, frankly, is just financially and in terms of personnel in a much better place to, in the long term, win some trophies. Um, even in the short term, this season, they could pick up some great silverware. So I do agree. I don't think that's that's changing Kane's mind um I think maybe it gives Spurs a little belief that even though they've left out their star player they've managed to pull a good result and I it wasn't necessarily ultra pretty uh they were certainly defending they were hitting them on the counter but you know what effective is effective a result's a result a win against Man City is a win against Man City um obviously we Chelsea fans know a thing or two about that uh Thomas Tuchel three times slapped up (laughs) Pep Guardiola uh last season but I think it's it's a very good start I don't think though that that changes uh my prediction that Spurs are going to struggle a little bit this season uh I'm not sure they can pull out this level of energy and this level of clinical counter-attacking performance against every big team they face um, and we'll just have to see how they, how they do, I guess, in those meet and drink fixtures, I suppose, in the middle of the season that make or break a premier league, uh, run. Yeah. And 150 million or so, if that's what's been said, could actually help Spurs rebuild or get some fresh blood into that team to potentially, if they, yeah. If they reinvest, <laughs> if they reinvest. And we know that's a problem at many, many, many clubs now. Go ahead. Will. I mean, I mean, you know, like we saw how they invested that Gareth Bell money. They brought in nine players. I think the only two, no, it was seven players, I think. And the only two good players, if you want to say that Eric Lamella is good, then Eric Lamella. And I think that that money also bought them Christian Erickson, who was pretty good for them at the time too. But yeah, we've seen that Spurs don't really know what to do when they have a lot of money. So I'm not really too worried about it. You know, bottle ham, hot Spurs, just be prepared for another season (laughs) of no trophies and just being the, you know, the worst club in London. So yeah. There we go. Bold words from both of you. I appreciate it. Whenever we get to stick it to Tottenham, we got to own it and go from there. Guys, let's move on to the Chelsea game. And they were playing Crystal Palace. Patrick Vieira back in the Premier League as a manager this time. So that alone is exciting. Crystal Palace going through some rebuilds, but I'll go real quickly through the starting lineup and then we'll open up into the game. So Mendy in goal, Trevor Chaloba. Alex, I think you might have said something about him that He's been performing really, really well in preseason. He gets the call up at right central back position. Andres Christensen in the middle. Antonio Rudiger in the far left. Cesar Spiliqueta gets right wing back. Jorginho, Kovacic, and Alonso to complete that midfield. Mason Mount alongside Christian Palasic And mm-hmm. Timo Werner leading the line. So Alex will jump right into it. Pulisic loves a Palace game, doesn't he? He certainly does. I... I... It's great because I was so certain about it. I was I was talking all kinds of crap. I, I tweeted that uh, I I tweeted that gif of of um, of Ronaldinho licking his lips at Milan, and I said Pulisic when he learns he's starting about Palace when he's rubbing his hands together, licking his yeah. lips because it's just it's inevitable at this point. I I was I was 
I said, and even during the game, someone asked me how Pulisic was playing. I said, he's been really bright. And the, the weird thing is I, I, I'm, I'm becoming more and more of, of a Christian Pulisic agenda type guy in that before I always tried to be nice and calm and rational. And then when I see some of the, the, the weird uh, criticisms of him from even our fellow Chelsea fans, like people saying, oh, he was doing nothing in the first half when he was drawing fouls, linking play well, had a nice header on target. Um, I'm, I was like, no, be quiet. Let, let, our, let, our, let our boy do his thing. Uh, this is his favorite team to play against. And sure enough, uh, he bagged the goal, right place, right time, uh, popped in a rebound off of some good Mason Mount wing work. Um, I, I was very impressed, honestly, because if you, if you go out, it, the best thing is it wasn't even his best game. We know what he can do when he's at his very brilliant best, but he did everything he needed to do. He got us a goal. He linked up play nicely. He had some of his trademark uh, dribbles it was just all you asked for in a performance. So I was personally very happy. And just to quickly go through uh, that, that Captain America goal in the 40th minute uh, was complimented by the opening goal in the 27th was a nice free kick from Alonzo, who we know has a good left foot on him. And that Trevo Chalaba goal um, in the 58th minute, just a real low daisy cutter, really nice shot um, powered into the bottom left. So all in all, that was just a, a really solid start to the season. And I don't want to get too optimistic and say, this is great. We're winning the league. Um, but, but, you know, it, it's it was a very, very solid start, even though I don't believe we started uh, N'Golo Conte, Mason Mount, uh, obviously not Lukaku. We didn't start Tiago Silva. We didn't start um, Chilwell, who for a lot of last season was our starting left back. We didn't start Reese James, who I think normally would take that right wing back role. Great way to begin the season for me. Yeah. Will, your thoughts on this one? I know it's t t tough for Arsenal to talk about Chelsea, but let's hear what you have to say. Yeah, uh, you know, the thing – so, yeah, all right, I'm going to have to agree with Alex here. It, it was a very good win, especially considering that all those players were missing. Um, you know, I, I definitely do think, you know, at the end of the day, it is Crystal Palace. They are like one of those teams that you are expected to beat up on. But, you know, again, with Patrick Vieira being their new manager, you could have said that the players might have been a little bit more up for it than usual. And just a real quick fun fact for you guys, uh, Vieira, you know, former Arsenal legend, has played 10 games against Chelsea as a player, never lost to them. In his first game as a manager, loses to Chelsea. So, <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, you know, it's pretty funny. But, yeah, uh, I'm definitely going to have to um, agree with Alex there. Uh, very good win. A very convincing win, I'd say that. Yeah, you know, uh, Pulisic, I, I don't know what it is against Palace, but, look, he seems to always score against them. Um, and I think this also does go back to when I say Chelsea's academy because this uh, Chalboa, I I'm not sure if I'm saying his name wrong. Or I think it's Trevor Chalaba. Chalaba. Chalaba, Chalaba. Point is, you guys know what I'm saying. Played in, in, the, in the Super Cup uh, last week. Was was pretty much. I think he was the man of the match officially. But if he wasn't, he definitely was up there. Then you know, this week it was rumored that I remember I saw uh, some Chelsea pages saying that he's rumored that he will be starting. And I'm sitting here like, because I didn't watch Super Cup. I'm not gonna lie. I thought that you guys would dominate Villarreal, so I was a bit surprised that it went to. You know, I was out. I was like, nah, I'm not gonna watch that because you know they're, they're gonna win. But you know, he had a good game, and then he starts against uh, Crystal Palace, and he has a fantastic performance. And as I said, with Chelsea's academy, who the hell is this guy? When he just comes in, <laughs> and he's another guy that Chelsea had on their loan army. You know how you guys have about 85 players on loan every year. <laughs> and, and then they just get their chance, they take it. And then now, what's crazy is that he has now, if Chelsea were to sell him right now, that's at least 30 million. Because he's English, he's young, he just made like... And this is what I'm talking about, how Chelsea just do fantastic business. They, like, they just always come out like with these youth players from somewhere, from loan from Batiste or something like that. And then they just make their mark. So, you know, I definitely do think that it was a good win for Chelsea. And, and considering how easy it was for you guys with, again, all those players not being there. So, yeah, no, I mean, Chelsea have, in my opinion, Chelsea have the second best squad in uh, England. I think right behind Man City in terms of their starting 11 that they could put out and then what they also do have available to them on the bench. I think Chelsea overall have one of the best squads in um, England. So, and you guys showed your, you know, depth on Saturday. You know what, Will? I'm glad you talked about Chiloba because I think as a rival fan, what you noticed is actually encouraging because I noticed this gentleman play and I thought he was brilliant. I thought for a 22 year old who 
has had some experience, but to come on and own a game and boss players around like he did was very, very encouraging. And it almost, Alex, it almost leads me to believe, do we need to be on the market for a center back? I think I've said this in the previous episode. Chelsea have been linked with multiple, multiple center backs. We did sell a couple of center backs. And before I let you answer, Tuchel actually said that this is the way he wants Chelsea run, meaning that they are a well-operated club, as well as alluded to, where they can go out and buy talent, but they should find a mix of talent that is homegrown. And he did mention Mount, he did mention Reese, he did mention others like that. And so do we need to go out and look for a center back at this point? I definitely, I agree with what Will's saying that I, I do think Chelsea are the best run club in England. I would arguably say, certainly I would say maybe top three best run top flight clubs in the world. Just not in that they're necessarily always the most successful, but we rarely go seasons without winning a trophy. And yet we've developed the youth so well. Um, we're still ambitious in the transfer market, even and when we have poor runs of form, sometimes it's ruthless, sometimes it hurts, but we sack managers and get results with the next guy. So it's not, um, it's not, it's, there are, there are some ups and downs in, in the Chelsea journey. We'll, I mean, we'll, we'll win a great game and then we'll lose to some team who we thought we would completely dominate or we'll uh, end up. You know, we've, we've had a bad run in the FA Cup in a couple of recent years, one against uh, Will's Arsenal and recently not a bad run, a bad final, uh, which I suppose you could say it's a better pro- it's a good problem to have that you get to the final and can't maybe get the trophy. But overall, my point is that I think Chelsea's, as as you guys have said, doing fantastic business. And just for some insight, Trevor Shalabo was on loan in Ipswich. Then he was on loan at Huddersfield. He was on loan at Lorient in France. Um, and then he came and probably because Tiago Silva and Brazil got deep into the Copa America and, um, some of our other starting center backs weren't fully fit yet. Uh, he, he got his chance, seized it, took it. And now he's looking like a rotation squad player at the very least. Um, I think in terms of being in the market for a center back, Kunde was the name that had been rumored, uh, from Sevilla. Maybe it's an unpopular opinion right now. I still think we, I still think we need to go out and get him because I think we clearly have the budget for it. Um, having having settled for Lukaku, knowing well that we had the money to land Erling Holland, um, I think we have the budget for it. As Will said earlier, we've sold some players. Tammy Abraham, love the guy, um, but we did do good business selling him to Roma today. I believe it was he had That's his right. medical yeah. um, for forty million euros. And that's the thing about Chelsea and the Academy. Not every single one of them needs to make it, so to speak. You love the guys. You want to see them succeed. It was really touching. I think Shalaba had tweeted uh, in 2016 or something, I'm going to make it for you, mom. Um, And saying like, I'm going to make it here. I'm going to make my career uh, work out, do it for my family. And then he scores on his Premier League debut, beautiful goal, um, man of the match level performance. So they don't, they can't all make it, um, but we still need to invest in foreign players. I've gone in like three different circles here, but my, my, my main point is I do think we need Kunde. Um, I still think we should invest in our defense because as Piliqueta, top class player, but um, he's also aging a little bit. We've got Reese James for right wing back who can also slot in at right center back, but I think we just need to keep strengthening um, and pulling in great academy players. I'm, I'm so excited uh, as a Chelsea fan right now. Um, we're kind of spoiled at the moment, coming off success and looking pretty good in the future. Sorry, uh, Will, to rub it in, but Oof. <laughs> I'm, I, I'm in a good mood, man. Yeah, I mean, look, bro, I can't uh, blame you. And look, like, it, it feels very weird complimenting Chelsea, but, you know, you have to call it what it is because anything else that I would say that's kind of discrediting Chelsea, especially after seeing you guys win a second Champions League in 10 years, it, it will kind of be crazy of me. But I just want to just quick uh, really just say, so um, just really quickly, uh, back to Alex's point um, about getting, uh, what's the guy's name? Uh, Kunde from uh, Sevilla. I actually agree with Alex. I think that he should uh, be bought because I think after this season, Thiago Silva is pretty much done. I think he'll be like 37 or something like that. Right. So I feel like get his replacement in now so that you don't have to worry about it next season. On top of that, when we were also talking about Chelsea's youth academy again, um, the guy on Crystal Palace, the center back, uh, Mark um, Wahey, yeah. Wahey. He's from Chelsea, and he was an absolute monster in the championship last season. And and actually, a lot of Chelsea fans were mad that he was sold. I was. But 
But again, that's a player who's who's never really played for Chelsea. He maybe played like a you know a Carabao Cup game once. They send him on loan. He got his value up on loan. They sell him. That brings you Lukaku and et cetera. So, I, I mean, yeah, look, you you guys do have a lot of stuff to be uh, excited about. And, yeah, yeah, I don't want to get too much into it. But, <laughs> yeah, that's definitely <laughs> crazy, man. It's definitely crazy. All right, guys, looking, let's look forward to next game, which, Will, we've enjoyed you talking about the Premier League review, but now we're here to preview the big one. <laughs> and that's another London derby coming back to back. We're playing Arsenal. So, why don't you give us your thoughts on London derbies and maybe we can get a predicted 11 from you? Oh, man. All right. So uh, I'm going to be honest with you. I think that, and I also did forget to mention this earlier. I do want to say that Chelsea, you guys are the reason that Arteta is still in a job because if it was <laughs> not for that FA Cup run, I'm telling you, he would not be back this much. I don't know. And at the time, I was so happy, but I'm looking at it, I'm like, maybe we could have lost, maybe for, like, the longer-term purpose. <laughs> but it's whatever. But, you know, I'm not going to lie. I think that Arteta does, if I have to give him any kind of credit, I think that Arteta does do well, or not well, but I think he does do a bit better in bigger games. We saw how we did the double over you guys last season. And, you know, at the time, we were coming off of both, like, well, not both, but especially Arsenal, we were on bad runs of form kind of for both of those games that we beat you guys. So, it is a bit surprising how we do step it up against Chelsea. And um, I, I I just can't really see us beating you guys right now, especially because Lukaku is going to be making his debut more than likely against us. I don't think that we're going to have anybody to deal with Lukaku, Pulisic, uh, you know, uh, Ziyech, Reece James on the wing, Mason Mount, Conte, uh, you know, Kovacic, Jorginho. Jesus Christ. <laughs> ben Chilwell. <laughs> like, like, so you're telling me. On top of that, Aubameyang and Lacazette are reportedly going to miss that game due to illness. Now, there are rumors that there is some, uh, you know, just like there is some disagreements in the locker room and that Arteta may be losing some of the locker room. And that's probably why we won't be seeing them. So that's something to look out for. But I just don't think that right now we're, we're not equipped to deal with Chelsea. And I said the same thing when we beat you guys in December, because I said after Chelsea beat us 6-0, Last December, that's what I thought the score was going to be. I said, that is good. That is what's going to get Arteta sacked. And then we go out there and win. And I'm like, oh, come on. So, <laughs> but I think now it's completely different. Chelsea are on an absolute high right now. Like, if there's two different spectrums, Chelsea is on, like, the highest right now. Arsenal are on the lowest. So, if we couldn't contend with Brentford, we definitely can't contend with Chelsea right now. Chelsea are coming off of Champions League win, Super Cup win, smacking up Crystal Palace. And then, you know, now I think that it's going to be a pretty easy win for you guys this week. Um, if I had to give a predicted 11, okay. So I know that uh, Arteta basically likes to do the four, two, three, one. You can say the double pivot. Um, so sadly, Leno has to be in goal because we have nobody better. Um, <laughs> I think at left back, Kieran Tierney, I think Tierney's an absolute monster. I think he is better than Ben Showell. I know he's, that you guys may not agree, but to me, I think that Tierney is... I, th I think player. he's a very good player. I do I do think he's a very, very good player. At center back, you know, I I mean, I don't know if... Gab I think Gabriel is our best left-sided center back. But again, you know, Brazil got pretty deep in uh, the Olympics and they won actually. No, they actually won the um, gold medal for soccer in the Olympics. So Gabriel might not be back, but hopefully he is. So I'll just put Gabriel uh, in there. Right side center back, I'm going to go with Ben White because you paid $50 million for him. He has to play. play. He didn't look that good against Brentford, but he didn't really do that much wrong. So, you know, what's kind of his Premier League debut could have been a bit nervous, but he has to step it up now because he is our most expensive defensive signing, I think. So Ben White has to be in there. At right back, I would actually go Ainsley Maitland-Niles. Um, I don't like Bellerin. I think he's more interested in being a fashion model than being a footballer. <laughs> and I don't really rate Callum Chambers to start. I think Callum Chambers could come off the bench. So I hope that Ainsley Maitland now starts. Double pivot. I don't think Partey is going to be back. If by the chance, if God is hearing me, please let Partey be fit for this game. <laughs> but I'm going to go off if he's not fit because we don't have any updates as of right now. So sadly, you have to start Xhaka. He's absolutely rubbish. But Xhaka has to start. And I think that you have to go with um, Lukongo. Again, the uh, young kid that we signed from uh, Anderlach. Mm -hmm. Then uh, at, the, at the number 10 position, you have to go Emil Smith-Rowe. Yeah, he's good. Then he's your he, number 10. Yeah. Yeah. He, he is my number 10, but 
actually don't want to throw in about that either. But just give me, <laughs> all right, all right. <laughs> just, just give me Smith Rowe at 10. Uh, give me Pepe on the right wing. Give me Sock on the left wing. Give me Martinelli up top. That's okay. how I would uh, set up. And, you know, I think that, you know, Conte isn't going to want to see Martinelli uh, on the pitch again. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, that's how I would uh, line up. But Arteta's probably not going to do that. And we'll do something stupid. And, yeah. Well, I think Martinelli owes Conte a thank you for giving him a career, personally, uh, by <laughs> slipping, uh, you know, whatever. It is what it is. I still think that's the most overrated goal in the history of the world. <laughs> Um, the, the, the famous Arsenal 2-2 win, uh, you know, I, I'm just saying there was a lot of crap talked online when Conte literally just slipped and fell. <laughs> that also excused a horrendous touch by Martinelli that would have taken the ball away from him if Conte had still been on his feet. So, you know what, we won't get into that. I think the thing is, you say, you say Chelsea are on the highest high, Arsenal are on the lowest low. Um, maybe our, our ups and downs as Chelsea fans pale in comparison to those of Arsenal fans. But I am most scared of Chelsea when we're on the highest highs because consistently we'll be on a great run. As you said, Arsenal will be in poor form. We'll be in good form. We'll be looking strong. We'll be coming off wins. We'll be coming off trophies. And somehow we just don't show up against a team that we know on paper, um, given form and personnel, we should probably be able to beat. I, you know, Chelsea coming off a 3-0 win, Arsenal off a 2-0 loss. That should mean, theoretically, we, we touched on this too. Havertz didn't start. Mount didn't start. Lukaku is going to come. That's a ridiculous uh, inclusion in itself. Chilwell and James didn't start. Our starting center backs didn't start. Um, and we still did not, we, we still beat Crystal Palace 3-0. We should be, with all due respect, slapping Arsenal, given form. But I can promise you, I can almost promise you, and I hope it happens, but I can almost promise you we will not slap Arsenal because, to, to their credit, Arsenal do turn up uh, in bigger games, I think. I think just mentally they're, they're, they're up for the fight. I do think Arteta maybe steps up his game a little bit. And even if it's not always pretty, I think you guys find a way to get results. So it's never as easy as it looks on paper. Uh, and as you said, you did the double over us in the Premier League last year. I don't think this is going to be an easy game. And the, I do think it's a crucial game, though, because looking at Chelsea's upcoming fixtures, after Arsenal, we have Liverpool, Aston Villa, Tottenham, Man City. So we're playing four of the traditional big six in the next five games. And Aston Villa, even if they did uh, lose uh, their opening fixture, they're certainly not a, a walkover team. So we've got five tough fixtures in a row coming up. And I think we really need a win if we want to take good momentum into Liverpool, Villa, Tottenham, City. I just don't think it's going to be easy, even with all these new players coming in. So what's your predicted 11, Alex? Oh, goodness. I mean, I like what we did uh, in this Palace game. And you almost want to reward Shalaba for his great performance. You you almost want to reward him uh, by starting him again. So I would go maybe Rudiger... Uh, Rudiger Shalaba, maybe Aspilaqueta as a right center back and Reese James as a right wing back to give us a bit more pace and power on the wing. Um, he's got a great cross on him, good attacking threat. Uh, so I would go maybe it's tough. Alonso also always seems to be up for a London Derby. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think personally, I actually remember a, a year or two ago, Alonso, I have an Alonso kit because we were tied with Arsenal. I believe it was 2 2. Uh, we were tied and I said, whoever scores the winner, I will buy their kit. And Alonzo <laughs> did one of his trademark poaching goals from left back, somehow poached a finish off a cross. I don't know how that works. He put the ball in the net and I bought a Marcus Alonzo kit. So personally, I'd reward him for his great performance against Palace. So I'd go Alon- uh, Mendy in goal, obviously. I'd yep. go Alonzo, uh, Rudiger, uh, Chalaba again, Azpilicueta right center back. Uh, for some good experience and 1v1 defending. He's not going to slip like Conte did. Martinelli will not be given a career <laughs> revival. Um, Reese James, right wing back. And then the the uh, Jovicic pivot, <laughs> they did pretty well. Um, <laughs> I don't think – I mean, they, they get their fair share of stick. They don't get assists. Um, they don't really have, have shots on them. But they can run games. They can dominate games. They outclassed uh, Real Madrid's midfield last uh, when we played them with, with obviously, that was Jorginho and Conte. 
I believe. Uh, but Conte, whether or not he plays, I still think we can really control the midfield. I think he should play, but maybe, frankly, it ends up being uh, Jorginho Conte, realistically, if Conte's fit again. Um, and then, God, I, what do we even do with the, the attacking talent we have is ridiculous. I just don't know... I don't, I, I, I don't know how to put together, you can't really put together a bad attacking lineup being biased coming off a goal against Chris, uh, against crystal palace. <laughs> I truly think Polisic is the right person to, uh, in a, in a scrappy game against, against maybe a, a more formidable opposition. I think he could be great as a partner to Lukaku. So I think I would love to see Lukaku start something in me says Lukaku starts on the bench and they give him minutes um, maybe let him start in, at, at home or, or start in the next game. They don't want to throw him into the fire right away, but he's premierly proven. He's getting fit. He's here. Supposedly he's in contention to start. For me, it's got to be Polisic, Lukaku, Mount. Um, that's harsh on Havertz because he's a quality player. Um, but I think Mason Mount is always bright. He's a complete player in that he can defend as well as attack. I think Lukaku is a weapon in himself. Everyone knows that. And I think Christian Pulisic's dribbling, drawing fouls, interplay, and ability to get a scrappy goal, to be in the right place at the right time, I think that perfectly complements the front three we have. So biased as heck, maybe, but I'm going Pulisic, Lukaku, Mount. No, look, like you said, it's tough to pick a starting three just because of the attacking talent Chelsea have. But again, it's a London derby. It's an exciting one. Game is going to kick off at Arsenal, 10.30 a.m. Central. That's 11.30 a.m. Eastern on Saturday, August 22nd. So I think we're all going to be tuned in. We're all going to be seeing what's going to happen there. But before we wrap up today, guys, I have to ask for a prediction. So, Will, I'll let you go first. What do you think the scoreline is going to be? Maybe you can place a bet on it. (laughs) Well, okay. Well, yeah, you know, I definitely don't bet on my team ever because I feel like I always get let down whenever I bet on my team. (laughs) I mean, I'm I'm probably going to get let down regardless. So, I mean, yeah, no, definitely not. I mean, but the odds will be in Arsenal's favor. I don't know. Maybe if I'm feeling really confident, maybe if I'm like, I'd lose some money, whatever. But uh, I'm not going to lie. Usually I, I don't like going against my team, um, but I have to be I have to be realistic here. As Alex said, I don't think it'll be a walk in the park for Chelsea, but I do think that it will be a comfortable win. Um, I'm going to have to go... Oh, geez. Because, see, because Thomas Tuchel, like, you guys don't really even conceive goals like that either. But I do think that we do score a goal. I think uh, home game, our first home game of the season against Chelsea. 3-1 three, three, Chelsea. Three, uh, yeah, 3-1 Chelsea. Uh, don't ask me who scores for us. That's right, yeah. <laughs> can't, can't even tell you. Maybe Pepe. Uh, and then I, I actually do think Lukaku is going to start. I think, look, you guys paid 115 million euros for him. He's not coming off the bench. Timo Werner, I, I, I mean, I hope that Werner starts, which is weird to say, considering that I don't think that Timo Werner is a bad striker. But his confidence has just been shaky. Right. He, and I feel like his confidence is going to probably be a bit more damaged now that you guys spent so much money on basically somebody to do the job that he was brought in to do. So hopefully Werner starts. But I think that Lukaku will start, uh, like Alex said, and I think that he's going to score a brace. I, I think that... Re- He's he's too he's fast he's like he's too big he's too fast he's too strong I don't think we're gonna have a center back I think he's I think he's gonna give us a lot of problems um, and I actually think that um, I I, don't, I can't tell you who I think scores their third but I think that Lukaku scores a brace I think that maybe Pepe scores and um, I, I would say though for Chelsea uh, I think it was a bit uh, funny how you put Mason Mount on the right wing uh, I don't know if Ziyech is fit or not. No, but, he has an injury. Okay, all right, fine. Yeah, but then what about Hudson Adoy? Maybe because then wouldn't you prefer Mount to kind of be used for midfield? But at the same time, you guys have so much squad depth; it doesn't even matter because yeah. Kai Havertz wasn't even mentioned in the starting eleven. <laughs> so I mean, yeah, no, I, I just can't see us winning this game. So yeah, three one uh, Chelsea, three one Chelsea. All right, cool. Uh, Alex, your thoughts? I would love a three one Chelsea win. In a weird way. My like my my fully negative side gives us a draw against Arsenal, but that's maybe just the ghosts of of having lost to Arsenal multiple times in a row while we were in good form comparatively. Um, I could see personally a two nil. Um, I think Arsenal won't roll over and make it easy for us, 
I think our defense is hopefully good enough to keep them out, but you never know. They've got quality. As you said, Pepe could curl in a shot. Um, Martinelli could be given another lucky break with a slip. You know, you, you never know. But I think, I think Chelsea hopefully have this one. Um, I, 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 I hate, I, I hate trying to, I don't want to jinx it, but <laughs> my, my, you, everything says to me, Chelsea need to win this game. They should win this game. I'm going two nil. I think Lukaku scores one. I think Pulisic bags again. Um, there's some bias for you, but I think with a lot of the focus on Lukaku, that'll open some opportunities for our other players to get in a good position, receive a good pass, um, get a good chance because you can't, you can't not focus on Romelu Lukaku. He's a beast. Uh, he's clinical finisher, fast, strong, everything you need in a striker. So um, yeah, that's for me, it's Pulisic and Lukaku in a two nil win. Okay. I think I'm going to go with two nil as well. Don't ask me who scores. There are too many players out there to rotate from, but guys, I think that wraps it up. Will really appreciate you taking the time to come on this podcast. Why don't you tell us your Instagram handle and anything else you want to share with us? All right. Yeah. Uh, shout out to you guys for uh, inviting me on. Uh, this is definitely fun. So yeah, you know, uh, hopefully I could come back on maybe next time we play you guys. So yeah, yeah it was definitely a good experience, but you know, you guys can follow me on Instagram at welltalks.football. So, I mean, you say it like that cause it's F U T B O L. So yeah. And that's where I'm at on uh, Instagram. And if you guys see me trolling on other people's pages, <laughs> comment stuff, look, <laughs> Just, you know, ignore it. It's just me just having fun and kind of venting a little bit. But, yeah, shout out to um, you guys for bringing me on. Definitely a fun experience. Absolutely appreciate it. But that wraps it up, guys. Thanks very much for listening. Continue to subscribe, like, and follow us. It's at the Premier Chelsea. We can be found on Apple, Spotify, Google, Twitter, and Instagram. Follow Alex as well. He's at FC 22 and at Will talks.football like he said and as always we'll be back in the future with another episode thanks all bye